It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM. Talkspace.com slash BOOM. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Locked On Vikings, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, and it's a rainy Wednesday in the Twin Cities. My name's Sam Ekstrom, my co-host is Sage Rosenfels. It is June 28, episode 221, and we're talking wide receivers, the top five wide receivers in the NFL. But before we get to that, we have to talk about a Vikings wide receiver, Michael Floyd had his day in court on Monday. Sage, did you see what came of it? One day in jail. Yeah, sounds like one day in jail and like five days of house arrest uh, or something like that. And it sounds like the Vikings were happy with that result. Is that right? Yeah, I think the Vikings were in full support of Floyd the whole time. And they, they really came to his defense, which I think, if anything, speaks to maybe a, a level of truthfulness about the argument that I think a lot of people weren't believing. I think people thought that the kombucha excuse was full of it. But if the Vikings didn't believe it, why would they go to bat for a guy who you know already had some issues and was maybe a third or fourth wide receiver? I just think the risk-reward didn't match up unless the Vikings really believed in Michael Floyd. Well, that I don't think the uh, the Vikings fan base was you know all up in arms about uh, you know not having him on the team. It wasn't like people were uh, you know just livid and were going to cancel their season season tickets if the Vikings uh, you know had Michael Floyd on the football team this year. So I think there's a lot that goes into it, and I, and I think from it's a smart move to you know try to back the player if possible, support a player that has a problem. Again, we talked about this the other day. This isn't a domestic violence issue. Uh, this is somebody who has a, and it sounds like an alcohol problem. So I, I was having lunch the other day, and I had a, kombu- a kombucha, and I did see it said at the bottom uh, contains up to 0.5% alcohol, which, which, uh, so there is some truth to that argument, I guess, and and uh, and and hopefully. Uh, the, the Vikings and Floyd have worked this whole thing out, and and uh, he can you know get back to being on the field and get his life back together, really. And the Vikings can help support him getting his life back together, and, and we won't have we don't have any more incidents like this uh, for the rest of his time as a Viking or in his NFL career. Uh, and um, he's a talented player. He's a local kid. Uh, the team's supporting him, and I think it's a good idea. Uh, but my guess is this is his last chance, and he's not going to have. Uh, much room to to make mistakes after this. Real quickly, we talked on Monday about how Goodell is the judge, the jury, and the executioner. So this infraction in itself, I think, was a two-game suspension initially based on his, his first infraction. But then Goodell needs to also weigh... Is this kombucha incident considered a repeat violation? Is it a violation of his treatment program? Could this increase his suspension? Or do you think Goodell will side with the court, 
who I think the court was pretty lenient. I think they could have gotten way uh, harder on Floyd as a result of this. They, they didn't. I wonder if Goodell takes that into account and says, okay, in the court's eyes, this wasn't a huge misstep. I'm not going to grade you any more harshly. Well, I, I think what Roger Goodell's plan is this. He's going to hop on a flight to Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. He's going to get out of the airport, probably a private plane for him. He's going to stick his thumb up in the air and see what direction the wind is blowing as far as what the fans are saying in Minnesota. If they don't have a problem with it, there'll be nothing. If they have a problem with it, he'll probably add more of a uh, suspension. That seems to be the way that Roger Goodell has uh, treated suspensions over the last few years in the NFL. Well put. Uh, I can't disagree with you. It felt for a while like he was kind of erring on the side of overpunishing. I wonder if because of the counter argument there, because of the backlash to how he was overpunishing, I wonder if now he'll take the public temperature and kind of go into a phase where he is a little more lenient. And I wonder if this will be an extension of that. Well, I think I think it also has to do with you know what, uh, his leniency or or uh, how harsh he is is based off of what the crime was, and I think uh, w- starting with the Ray Rice situation um, and really going back further than that, but really that was the sort of the golden moment there uh, that uh, he really screwed up. Is I, I think if it's a, any sort of domestic violence or, or violent uh, issue, I think he'll come down really really hard. And then uh, other things, maybe not so much. All right. We transition into our top five wide receivers. And we talked about our top five running backs on Friday. And I thought that was a tough ranking. But you look at wide receivers and you come to realize, well, there's you know a couple wide receivers on each team. There's just more wide receivers to choose from. You get some breakout guys every year who emerge onto the scene. And it's tough to pick just five. Let's get the obvious choices out of the way. Probably Julio, Odell Beckham, and Antonio Brown. Is that a consensus kind of top three, or am I forgetting someone obvious? Yeah, I think so. And I think A.J. Green is pretty consensus top five. Uh, I believe so. I'd love to throw to A.J. Green. Um, of all the guys I'm looking at here, you know, the top, I'm looking at about the top 30 guys in the NFL. And yeah, Antonio Brown is just a stud, and he's one of those rare athletes that despite the fact that he's not huge he just makes big play after big play teams just can't stop him it seems like and for a smaller guy uh, he's got run after the catch ability and all those things so I, I think he is the best or one of the top two receivers in the NFL uh, Julio Jones is everything you want as an NFL wide receiver um, you know, I, I had this discussion one time when Jason Garrett was uh, our, our quarterback's coach, I was down in Miami, we talked about big receivers versus small receivers. And I, I think at the time I said, you know, I really like the small guys who can, you know, who can get open and who can beat man coverage and, you know, work the slot and those types of things. And, and, uh, I think AJ Feely to August Farratt was talking about, they really like the big guys, you know, the guys like Julio Jones and, or whatever. And, and, uh, and, and Jason Garrett goes, I like the guys that are both, that are both big and quick and can do everything. And the those don't come around very often, but Julio Jones is one of those guys that, uh, he's big, but you can also work him in the slot and he can beat man coverage and do all types of things. So, uh, I think Antonio Brown, Julio Jones to me, uh, are the, the hands down, the number one, number two receivers in the NFL. Antonio Brown, four consecutive seasons of at least 1,200 yards. I mean, not 1,000, at least 1,200 yards, going up as high as 1,800 yards in 2015. And, and was it, was, wasn't he a 
fifth round draft pick or something like that. Sixth he, he round, was not drafted high. Sixth round pick, one ninety five overall out of Central Michigan. That's incredible, and, and and it's it always seems like Pittsburgh finds these guys. They they right. had tremendous luck uh, with their wide receivers on that football team, and even when they've. Uh, been really good on the team, and they've gone somewhere else. Guys like Plaxico Burris, who had a really good career up and with New York Giants, and Emmanuel Sanders now in Denver. They find guys, and they have so many, they have to get let really good players go because they've got other young, undrafted or fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, you know, coming up who they really like. I think Pittsburgh is the best draft wide receiver drafting team in the NFL. Well, they got Marcus Wheaton in the third round. Emmanuel Sanders in the third round, too. So, I mean, that's insane value that they got for Sanders, Wheaton, and Antonio Brown. That's that's incredible. Here's a question for you, controversial maybe. Is Des Bryant a tad overrated? Seven seasons, only three of them over 1,000 yards. No, I, I think I, I, we're, I was looking at this list, and you know, we talked about Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, and, and uh, maybe A.J. Green uh, in that top five. And, and you know, fantasy football-wise, Des Bryant is not a number that is goes really high in the list, but I think that has a lot to do with the situation he was is in. Uh, you know, Dallas likes to run the football. Uh, they don't throw it um, as much as, as some of these other teams. And so I think that, you know, talent-wise, and if you want to have, have him on your football team, I think Des Bryant is really close to being in that top five uh, wide receivers in the NFL. He is one of those guys that's just, he's your classic X receiver. He's big. He can beat man coverage. Anytime that safety goes to the middle and you got man to man over there or a one on one situation, you know that the Dallas Cowboys are going to work Des Bryant all day long. And, and uh, I know that uh, you know, cornerbacks hate uh, hate his physicality and hate having to go going up against him one on one because he's, he's quick, he's fast, and he's very physical at the line of scrimmage. Okay, how about this one? Let's say you're starting an expansion franchise. Let's say that uh, Toronto gets an NFL team and they are drafting between Amari Cooper or Odell Beckham to to really build their wide receiver core around. Which of the two do you think is a better foundational piece for a new NFL franchise? Well, Odell Beckham is going to bring the people into the seats, you know, that's for sure, if a new franchise needs that, which it probably would. But, you know, Odell Beckham is one of those guys that people will pay uh, just to – he's an entertainer and he's a great player. Uh, so he sort of does a lot of things for, for a fan base um, and for a football team. Amari Cooper is different. He does a lot of really good things on the field as well, but I, I almost – can remember you know what he looks like you know he's never on in really the highlights or on sports center uh he's n- n- he's never uh, uh making a big deal out of anything uh he's just going out there and you know catching touchdown passes and winning football games with his now super rich quarterback so uh i like i always like the guys uh, as a quarterback i always like sort of the mari cooper types you know andre johnson was that way they were more you know be seen and not heard uh and uh, it makes it just a little bit easier to uh, to work, uh, you know, all the time. And when there's always sort of these distractions that are happening, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Has, seems to bring a lot of distractions to the table. Uh, and I think it ends up sort of uh, uh, disrupting the balance uh, of a football team. Gosh, I just look through all of these these stars, all most of them first round picks, except for Brown. But it makes you really disappointed in Laquan Treadwell. Like all these guys as rookies generally 
were incredible. Like Cooper had a thousand yards as a rookie. Jones had all, just about a thousand yards as a rookie. Beckham had thirteen hundred yards. Like all these guys were impact stars. And I realized Treadwell was not like a top ten pick. He was a top twenty five pick. But it, it still makes you think. What could have been if they had really hit on that pick and gotten a guy like, say, Michael Thomas, who was taken early in the second round by the Saints, um, how different it could have looked last year? Yeah, and that, we discussed this throughout the year last year. Is, you know, one of the disturbing things about Treadwell was you know, it wasn't his lack of production as a rookie. I mean, that does happen to rookies all the time. I mean, just the way it goes. Sometimes there's a hard transition, and, and uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's different than an NFL offense compared to a college offense, the whole thing. But uh, the, the disappointing thing with him is that the wide receiver position, that is the easiest position to have success uh, as a really young player. Uh, it's hard for a quarterback. It's hard really for an offensive line. Um, I think a great quote is they say, uh, it, it, the closer you are to the football, the longer it takes uh, to become a legitimate player, whether it's NFL or college football. So the guys on the outside corners and wide receivers, they just use their natural athletic ability. They get, they get coached by the coaches. Uh, they can go out there and play right away. But, you know, centers and quarterbacks and guards and, uh, and, and you know, Mike linebackers, those guys close to the ball, that can take a long time. There's a lot of uh, details and intricacies to their game and uh, take some longer. So I think that's the toughest part about Treadwell is that you know, as a wide receiver, a position that you can play well as a rookie – uh, he really gave the Vikings almost nothing last year. Yeah, they hope to get a lot more from him this year, and they'll need it, especially if Michael Floyd is suspended for a substantial amount of time. So I think we landed on, at least for me, I'm going with Jones, Beckham, Brown, uh, Cooper, and Green. That's my top five. And you can tweet me, at Sam Ekstrom, because I'm leaving out Mike Evans. I'm leading out Jordy Nelson, uh, Jarvis Landry, Demarius Thomas, Larry Fitzgerald. There are so many candidates for this spot. I'm sure there are some people that are going to be very upset with us. Yeah, and, and that's that's the way it goes. But I, I, I really do feel uh, I, re- I feel very strong in the top five with Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, A.J. Green, I, I really believe is a top five guy. You know, Mike Evans puts up the big numbers. Uh, I don't know if he's uh, one of those top wide receivers in the league, but he does put up the big numbers, you know, these first couple of years. And now he's got a really good quarterback in Jameis Winston. So he might be a guy that, that gets into that top five as well. So I, I, Des Bryant is, a, is such a good receiver. Uh, I'd love to see him in, in that top five too. So a lot of good wide receivers in the NFL. It's a passing league. There's some good quarterbacks, and and uh, you know a lot of times a, a receiver is only good as a quarterback throwing to him. And uh, yeah, I also I'm looking down here on this the, on the list that I'm looking at. You know, Larry Fitzgerald, we would have said three or four years ago would have been in this list, and uh, you know now he's down in the in the late 20s uh, as far as fantasy football uh, receivers in the NFL. So you know obviously his career is coming to a halt. The local boy, you know, from Minneapolis, and and his career starting to wind down here. Hopefully he's got a couple more years left in him, but uh, he's no longer a, a top five NFL wide receiver. So did you see any celebrities at Winsong on Monday? Uh, I saw Paul Allen, which is Celeb. the celebrity of celebrities, yes. of course. I uh, saw, um, well, obviously I talked to Rudolph uh, for a bit, talked to Chad Greenway for a bit. You know, I, I did PA show from 11 to noon, and I think the thing started about 11.15, so uh, I basically showed up right before 11 and didn't have a chance to talk to too many people. But I did see the the parking list as I was as I was walking up of of all you know Darius Rucker and 
and uh, and you know a lot of big celebrities at that golf tournament. And the Windsong is is one of my favorite course, courses in all of Minnesota. It's probably the course I play the most. Uh, it's absolutely a spectacular golf course over there, Northwest Minnetonka, and uh, it's it's a great place to throw a charity golf tournament. Well, you know what those people are saying about their trip to Windsong? They're going away saying that they saw Sage Rosenfels. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. Well, you I don't, think so. don't sell yourself short. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sam Ekstrom. He's St. Rosenfels. We'll be back with you on Friday with another top five list. Tune in then. Thanks for listening. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.